Amen. So to our guests, we are certainly glad that you are here today. Uh, and I want to go ahead and tell you right now, you picked um, the one Sunday this year where our entire focus is on money. Right? Like there's this, there's this reputation within the church as a whole that that's all we ever preach on and teach on. And, um, and you know, we, we don't hear. Uh, we, we might do a three-week series every other year. Uh, but we rarely just talk about and preach on on money. On money, you know, uh, you know. It said Jesus uh, used money as the focal point of of conversation most of the time. Like like he taught on uh, money, or he used money as an illustration. Eleven out of the thirty nine parables that that he taught. Now it, he was not always saying you need to give, you need to give, you need to give. That's that's not his message. He just, 15% of the time, he used money as some form of illustration to, to, make a, to make a point. And so if we as a church were to live up to that example with 52 Sundays, if we were to live up to this example, uh, we would have taught on money every single Sunday this year, and we would conclude our conversation on money next Sunday. So, in my mind, one Sunday, one sermon dedicated to the topic of money isn't bad, all right? Now, here's what I want to say. Um, we are guilty here. Uh, we're not going to do it today. We're going to do this today. We're going to explain this today, but rarely do we ever talk about how to give. And I want you to know, uh, if you are not part of our LifeBridge family, there is no pressure to give. I want you to know that, all right? To the rest of it, to the family, pay attention. <laughs> God's got some words for you today. Uh, you know, when it comes to money, I, I'm, I'm grateful. We sit around at leadership team meetings, and we look at numbers, and we're just like, God just keeps doing things with, with this small congregation. Uh, last year, our congregation had our best year. We celebrated 10 years, right? And in order to celebrate 10 years and God's faithfulness to us, you know what we said? We said we're going to be more generous than we've ever been. And we gave away 30% of what we collected last year, which is uh, astonishing for, for a church. 30% uh, from the regular offerings that, that came in and then the special projects of kindness that we participated in in our community, 30%. Well done, LifeBridge family. But I got a question for you. Do we excel in giving? Well, like when you think about your life, you think about personally, do you excel in giving? There's a passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read it. It's familiar to some of you because we've talked about this passage before because it's about a church who was broke. I mean, they were so, they were poor. They didn't even have enough. They were so, they were poorer than poor. They couldn't afford to arm. Right? I mean, that's how bad off they were. And they had this desire to give. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Follow along. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. 
For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, for their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Now, here's the thing. What Paul's talking about here, the act of grace that Paul alludes to here is being generous. That, that's what this whole chapter 8 and chapter 9, this portion of Paul's letter, he didn't write in chapters, is, is he's writing this uh, in this section to this church at Corinth. He's talking nothing but about giving. And he's talking about coming out the wallet and giving what you have. And that's the grace that Paul wants us to excel in. It's being generous with the material possessions and wealth that you have access to. And so God wants us, the church, to excel in the act of being generous. This is done on a corporate level. As a part of the body of Christ, we as a church should excel in the act of giving. And I remember a church that I was associated with had some pretty deep pockets at one point in time. It was my, uh, I'm not going to say, i got to be careful. It's a ministry that I knew about, though, and I was involved with. I had some really deep pockets. 5% was sent to missions. Everything else was sent to us. I would look back and I would say we did not excel in the act of being generous at that congregation. The corporate level, we are to set the example of excelling in the act of being generous. The local body needs to be an example of generosity in our community. That also needs to happen on a personal level. We need to excel in generosity with money and time. All right, we're not talking about time today. That's, that's, another, that's another sermon for another day. On a personal level, as a family unit, we need to excel in generosity with our money. Now, two different blind surveys in different regions of our country have shown that the average church congregation only has about 25% of its members who give at least a tenth of their income or a tithe. Okay, so this was, this was done a couple years ago. Uh, it actually done, it was done pre-COVID, and so it was a blind survey, different congregations, and what they found in different regions of our country, the same thing proved to be true. Only about 25% of churches' members gave faithfully. If this is true, it's sad. And it's sad for two reasons. Number one, it is said that if 100% of all Christians gave at least 10% of their income and, and churches excelled in giving, that we could wipe out the social programs run by our government. 
I, I have seen stat after stat after stat about if 100% of Christians gave a tithe, 10%, to their local church, and that local church turned around and invested it in their community, homelessness, poverty, mental illness in our country could all be in a much healthier place than what it currently is right now. And you think about that. You think about Decatur, Alabama. You think about the six-block radius. Man, there's 10, 15 churches right around here. You think about if every Christian who participated in those churches gave a tithe, 10%, and those churches turned around and invested that into the kingdom. Because here's the thing. Here's, here's, here's the truth about what's going to happen here. I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. If there's a spike in, in our giving today because of a conviction that God places on your life, you want to know what? You want to know what happens to Michael? Nothing. I keep making the same thing I keep making. I just didn't profit share. Like I, I, don't, I don't get a raise based on the number of dollars that, that, that come in. All right, I'm going to tell you, like, and there's, there's no personal benefit to me at all. And so if the church does its thing and we turn around and we invest it back into the community, I just think of the difference that we can make. So it's sad for that reason. It's also sad if it's true. If only 25% of Christians are tithing, I mean, that means 75% are missing out on some amazing blessings that God promises when we trust Him with our finances. Like, if only 25% are doing it, that means 75% are, are missing out on the promises of God when we trust Him with our finances. And I'm going to share some stuff about my, our family personally. The things that God has done with us. So here's the thing we need to know about giving in God's economy. This, this isn't just church talk. This isn't, hey, we're here just to keep the lights on. Giving is a big deal to God. And it has always been a big deal to God. And it's not because God is full of himself and he, he, he's not. Giving throughout scripture has always been in response to who God is. I want you to think about it. I'm, I'm going to just assume that everybody in here has come off the wallet and they've put money in the offering plate as it has passed, or you've gone online and you've done something. I pray, sitting in my recliner this morning thinking through this, I pray that the act of giving from anything that you've ever given to a church is not out of guilt, it's not out of pressure but it's a response from you to who God is. Our giving and the degree of generosity we demonstrate is a reflection of how we view God. I want you to think about it. The very first story on giving in the Bible does not involve the command to give. Now, it's a deep story, and it's complex. There's a lot of layers there. I wish we could teach and preach on this. But it was a response to God for giving these two brothers, Cain and Abel, the ability to produce a harvest. Right? Like you're familiar with the creation story. And we get to the end of the creation story where they've been banned, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve do what Adam and Eve do. And now we got kids. Right? So we got kids. And now we're raising kids. We got Cain and we got Abel. 
And, and they're having to, because of the curse, they're having to work. They're having, they're having to grow some things. They're having to, to, to raise livestock and they're having to grow, grow crops. And Cain, it says, he came and he gave, the detail here is important, some crops to the Lord as a gift. So he's the first one. He gave some crops. Now, it does not say that God required it. It does not say that God reached out of heaven and commanded, hey, those are mine. Nope. Cain's out there farming, growing, getting some crops, and in his spirit, knowing that there's a relationship with God in some capacity, he just says, here you go, Lord. Well, brother comes along, Abel, and he too gives a gift, but he's, he's like, you know, he's a herder. He's got a flock. He's got animals. He's got meat. Okay? And here's the difference. Abel comes along and he gives the first. And he gives the best as a gift to the Lord. And of course, we know the rest of the story. It's just a response to God. God has allowed me to do this. And then you have Abel, Abraham, right? And, and he's been called by God, and, and on one of the adventures that, that, that he's on, man, he, 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 comes into some, he, he, he comes into some spoils, and, and as he's making his way back, he just gives 10%, 10% of his possessions to a priest. It's actually the first time we see the tithe. He's like, Here, here's this, this priest, Melchizedek, and we're just, Here, here's 10%. Right? Like, here, here you go. It, it was not a command. It, it, was, it was not a you must do this. It was God has allowed us in this relationship to be fruitful and, and to gain things. And so to respond to this, God, I'm just going to give 10% of it away. Because here's the thing. The concept of giving 10% or, or a tithe, the Bible word, uh, it predates the Mosaic Law. We, we think this idea of a tithe is the Mosaic Law and it's an Old Testament principle only. But here's the thing. It is Old Testament principle. But it goes way back further. The concept of giving 10% goes way back further than Moses. And so I've heard this before from churchgoers. I'm a New Testament Christian. We focus on Jesus. Rarely do we talk about the Old Testament. I'm a New Testament Christian. And the truth is that tithing is not a New Testament principle. It's Old Testament. Moses wrote the law about how much of our stuff we're to give to the temple, and so I'm a New Testament Christian. It's, it's not in there. Giving is a response to God in our lives. And here's the thing. We can give everything we have I can go out to the green table, Mason Verde, and I can sell everything I have, and I can give it to God today. I can give him everything but the clothes on my back, and I still cannot outgive God in what he's done for me. So speaking of giving everything, if you fall into that, you know what, I'm really not a 10% tiger. I'm more of a, you know, I, I kind of like to just give what I want to give when I feel led to give. And hey, I'm a New Testament Christian. You realize what Jesus said to the young man in Luke chapter 18, right? 
I mean, if this is you, if you're a New Testament Christian, he told him to sell everything. The guy said, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And there's this dialogue that goes on. You know what Luke, you know what Jesus tells him? Sell everything and give to the poor. So if you're a New Testament Christian, well done. Man, like, let's start selling. We'll help you. We will set up, you know, an eBay page right here. We will help you sell off everything so that you can give it to the Lord. We are here to help you. So let me give you today four quick principles based on what the Bible says about generosity. Okay? We'll run through these real quick. So number one, talk about giving, we talk about generosity. Number one, we are not blessed by God to build our own wealth. We are blessed to be a blessing to other people. Did you hear that? We're not blessed by God to build our own wealth. We are blessed by God to be a blessing to other people. In our life groups, we're studying the, the, the life and the lineage of Abraham or Abram. In Genesis chapter 12, this hit me the other day sitting in life group. Genesis chapter 12 is when God steps into Abram's life. And this is what he said, verse 1, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Church, you're sitting here today, and you are, you're blessed. You're blessed because of Abraham. Now just track with me here, right? Abraham is told by God, he goes, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to do something special with you. I want you to, to leave your native country. It's Ur, okay? That's the native country. If you're familiar with Old Testament uh, geography, Middle East geography, it's right next to two other countries, Bud and Wise. <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, I'm bad. God informs Abraham. Oh man, I knew it. There's an email in there. My mom hears that. I'll hear it. I promise God informs Abraham. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. Family, you're blessed. Like, like, I mean, I get what we do here in America. I'm certainly guilty of this. I look at my life, and, and, and I look at the things I have, and, and I never look to the people that have less. I never look to the people that drive older cars than me. I never look to the people that, that don't have, you know, as nice clothes or iPads or whatever. I don't look to those people. I look to the people that have more, and I compare my life to those people, and I'm like, man, wouldn't it be nice to have that? But the truth is, is that you have a household income of around of, of $34,000 or more. A household income. That means you and anybody and everybody that's working, you've you got $34,000 annually. You are among the 1% richest people in the world. I'm telling you, a 
been all over Ecuador. I've been all over Mexico. I've been all over Zimbabwe. And I can attest that the person that would claim to be the poorest here in the state has more than people in those places. We are blessed. God's blessed us so that we can be a blessing to other people. Principle number two, generosity gives before it takes. Generosity gives before it takes or keeps. So my question is, do we honor God first or do we honor self first? We could go into the whole idea of the Old Testament teaching of first fruits. Talk about the command that we're to bring to God first. That first part of our paycheck should come to God. That first Part of our crops should come to God. God's people were expected to give the first of their harvest as a gift to God, trusting that he would provide more. We could go that route and talk about this, but we're not going to. We're going to go a different route. Jesus looked up. This is Luke chapter 21. He's sitting in the temple. He looked up and he saw all the rich people putting their gifts into the offering box. Their, their box probably wasn't as cool as our little black box back there. But that's what they had. They did it, you know. And so they're going through. They're putting it in. Verse 2, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Like, like she's, she's there, and, and it's like, this is, this is it. I've got a decision to make. Do I continue to be obedient and give to the temple, to give to the Lord, or do I keep for myself because I'm at the point of desperation? One of the trends that we've seen the last few years when it comes to giving is that regular givers that are, are giving less, and, and it's because of the cost of living. We all know what the price of eggs are these days. I mean, like when Amanda goes grocery shopping, if she buys 18 eggs, we buy them in the, you know, we're, 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 we're in 18, it's nine bucks. Like I stand outside the grocery store and I'm, I'm armed. I'm ready to go. It's like, I mean, it's like gold. It's, 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 like, it's like the Brinks man pulling up to the ATM. And we get it, man. Like the cost of living has gone up a lot the last couple of years. And the human tendency is that charitable gifts are always cut out first when money starts to get tight. Ask any nonprofit organization and they will tell you this happens. It happens within the church. It does not get any tighter financially than it did for the widow. She gave all she had to live on. It wasn't much, but it would have been enough to buy some food off the dollar menu at McDonald's. I mean, she probably couldn't have gotten the, the burger, the fries, and the drink, but she could have gotten something to eat off the dollar menu. It was, it was barely enough based on a day's wages. She's got a decision to make. 
Do I take all that I have left and do I buy food for me for one more day? Or do I do what I'm supposed to do and I, I give it to the Lord? She gave it all to the Lord. Not keeping anything for herself. Because generosity gives before it takes. And this is one of those places, there's a few places, but this is one of those places where we'd like to see part two of the story. We'd love to see Jesus sitting there observing everybody giving, and the widow comes and does this thing where she, where she gives. And we would love to say that Jesus reached into the, 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 you know, the food ministry at the church, at the temple, and they gave her a food bag or something. But that didn't happen. It's not in Scripture. This poor widow had to trust that God was going to take care of her needs. She didn't have a husband. And maybe she knew these words from Isaiah, Don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. For I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid, for I am your help. It's a promise to all of us. I believe full on that that widow made a massive investment into the kingdom Storing up treasures in heaven versus storing up treasures here on earth. Generosity gives before it takes, before it keeps. Third principle. Almost done. Generosity takes preparation and thought. Let me say it again. Generosity takes preparation and thought. I, I understand there's such a thing as, as a spontaneous gift. Like, like, I mean, it, it, that, that, that can happen. But here's the thing about that. We have to have something to offer. Right? Like, and, 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 and I, Michael, am guilty. Man, I, I'm, I'm guilty of wasting all my money on me. And, and, and in America right now, we're, we're living at, according to Dave Ramsey, uh, about 111% of our monthly income. Which means most Americans are overextended by 11% of, of what they have. And so if I'm going to be generous, it takes some preparation. It takes some thought. Back when we used to pass offering plates, did you ever find yourself wanting to give, but you simply weren't prepared for it? Oh, trust us, it happens. We see it from up here. You know, we're up here and the guys are passing the plates and some of y'all is like, wake up from your nap. Like, oh my gosh, you passed all the plates and you're starting to dig or man, you can't find the checkbook or whatever the case may be and, or you pull it out and you're looking through and you're like, man, all I got is a couple of Benjamins um, and there's no change in the plate so I'll have to do this next time. I'll get you next time, God. If we're going to be generous, it takes preparation and it takes now, I love this. This is the continuation of what we read earlier in 2 Corinthians 
to the church in Macedonia. It, it says, this is not coming up on the screen. It says, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. What he means there, if I don't have it, I can't give it. I, I, can, I can have good intentions. I, I can say, man, I'd, I'd really like to give. But I'm going to tell you, church, guess what? In God's economy, good intentions do not count when it comes to generosity. I meant well, God, but, man, I had to have that thing. I needed that whatever. So when we talk about generosity, know that it's a New Testament biblical concept of being prepared for. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, this is a popular verse when we preach on giving. Paul writes to the church. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written. He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. I wish we had more time to spend on this passage alone. This is so critical when it comes to you and I excelling in generosity. Very clear here, I must first decide in my heart what I'm going to give. I'm telling you right now, so many Christians, man, we just we show up and we just give. And there's not a whole lot of thought. We give what we have with us, or we, or we, we write a check, we give, we give comfortably, and we don't put a lot of thought into it. And, and, and there's, this, there's this thought process that what Paul is saying is we need to be deciding in advance what we're going to give. So every single December, that week after Christmas, and it's one of the hardest conversations at the hardest times for us. Because as a teacher, she gets paid like the last day of school, which is the middle of the month, right? And so, so she gets paid the 15th, 16th, somewhere in there, and then she doesn't get paid again until like the end of January going into February. So it's like a long time in there. But that week, between Christmas and New Year's, every year, Amanda and I have a conversation. And it's this. How much do we want to give to God this next year? We've been doing this for several years now. We know what my salary is going to be, Lord willing. We know roughly what your salary is going to be. We, we know the, the side hustles and some of the things that we're going to participate in. So we got a pretty, good, a pretty good idea of some stuff. How much do we want to give to the Lord? And so we decide. We, we, we figure out an amount, and we want to give it to the Lord, and we want to give it through the local church, this church. So our generosity always begins with giving first, and it always goes through the church. That's another sermon for another day. 
And when we were a little more immature, back in the day, 10% was the starting line. And as we've matured, we give more than that. God loves a cheerful giver. And here, please hear me. Hear my heart. I'm not bragging on this, okay? We're not, we're not moving mountains. We're not. Because here's the, here's the reality of our testimony. I, I remember the point in our marriage. We, we were a few years into marriage. We were very active in church. Uh, we were living, this is in Gainesville, Georgia. We were living on 3916 Cleveland Highway. That's where we were living. And we got to the end of the week and there's zero money. Like we could not afford to eat. Like that was what we wanted to do that day. Big day. It's probably Valentine's Day. Um, we wanted to go to Taco Bell and eat off of the value menu. Now, this was before the dollar menu, for those of you that don't know about the value menu. This is when things were 69 cents and 79 cents. And if you were really, really high rolling, you had some 99 cent stuff. We wanted to go get some dinner off of the value menu, and we did not have the money anywhere. In the couch cushions, in the change, in the, in, in the cars, we could not scrape up the money to buy a Taco Bell taco. Much less give anything to God in two days. Was Our finances were out of whack. Our giving was kaput. Generosity had nothing to do with giving to the Lord. It had giving to us. And we made a decision that we decided that we would start giving to God first. And church, I'm telling you right now, He has always provided from that moment. A man and I moved here in 2005, and since then, working with the congregations, I've received, and, I, and please say, I don't want any pity on this, this is just part of the story, okay? I have received, in 17, 18 years now in March, three raises, okay? Three pay raises in, in, in 18 years. And I'm telling you right now, we are verse 11. We're verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. It doesn't make sense. I, I can't explain it. God just does things. God just, when we are faithful with him, he does things. And he has enriched us in every way. This congregation... This congregation is proof of this as well. About seven years ago, we decided that we were going to start living generously and, and wisely. We were going to get out of debt. We were going to take care of some things around here. And God has done nothing but bless this church financially. Now, we're not sitting there breaking in big money. Please hear me. You, you can ask our trustees. We have to have a lot of conversations about spending and controlling expenses and Hey, y'all are going to sit up here this week in the office with the, with the heat off. I mean, we, we have those conversations. But God continues to provide. We sit there and we're like, man, look at this. You know, and I don't know, it just, it, it happens. 
We, we had a gift at the end of last year from a lady that was just like, hey, you know what? I thought about y'all and just thought, hey, here's a gift. Boom. I don't even know how much the gift was. But she's just like, hey, here, here's some money. Here. Here's the cool thing about God. We'll wrap this up just a second. When we talk about generosity, when we talk about money, this is the area in all of Scripture that he says, test me. Test me. We're going to talk about this later on in the year when we go through the minor prophets. We're going to talk about this very passage and what God's done because the nation was robbing God and not giving the, the tithe. And, and, and that might be an indicator as to what's going on in our world right now. But this is what he says to Malachi. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test, he says. So, here's what we want to do. Okay, We're not asking anybody to write anything right now. We just are guilty of never communicating this. Okay? Like our trustees are like, hey, do you think you could at least put a slide up there so people know how to give? This, these are the ways that you can give at LifeBridge. Number one, you can go to our website. Okay? Um, LifeBridgeChristian.org. There's a nice little button over in one of the corners. You click that, follow through. Um, and here's the thing. Okay. Obviously, they're going to ask you for your bank account, or your credit card, or whatever. We don't. We don't want you to go use. Don't use your credit card, you know, unless you manage it well. Uh, but your bank account. Um, hey, you know what? Don't even worry about that two percent processing fee. Every every other business in the world's charging you two percent. If you use your debit credit card right now, not us. You don't have to do that. All right. So you can go through the website, or you can go through the church app. Now, the church app, that's a little bit complicated. Like, that's really cumbersome, and that requires you to sit down with Caleb for, you know, a lesson on that. And so, but if you want the app on your phone, he'll do it. I'll make him available, all right? Uh, <clears throat> or, little black box on the way out the door, right there, on the right. You can drop it in there, or you can just mail a check. Um, we'll, we'll take it anyway we can. All right? That's, that's how you give it. All right, so one more principle. I promise we're done. So where we started, the book ending this teaching of this thought. Giving is a reflection of gratitude for what God has done for us. Right? In just a minute, we're going to pass the communion out. These guys are going to come. They're going to come forward right now, actually, I think. And, and, and they're, going to, they're going to start making their way. In a minute, I'm going to pray, and then they're going to, they're going to pass these out to you. And you're going to, you're going to hold in your hand. You're going to hold a, a, a piece of bread like this, and you're going to hold a, a, a cup that has some juice in it. This is what God has done for you. Like Jesus was sitting around moments before going to the cross, and, and, and he, he said to them, This is my body that represents 
you know, this is the bread that represents my body that's broken for you. I'm going to die on a cross for your sins. I'm going to be the sacrifice that washes away your every sin. John, I want you to hear me, church. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what yesterday was. It doesn't matter what you're carrying around. And God is willing to forgive you, and God is willing to wash away those sins. Because when we talk about generosity, it's a reflection of gratitude because of what he has done. And if we continue reading the text in 2 Corinthians, verse 12 says, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. And then he says this. He concludes it with this. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And that is the grace that has been offered to every single one of us. That is the inexpressible gift that God has given us. So we're right back where we started. Cain and Abel, man, they're like, we're growing up some things, and God, we just can't help it. Here's, here's a portion of what we've, what we've got. Our generosity should flow naturally out of us back to God because he gave up his son. And, and not to steal a line from the Christmas vacation. But this is a gift, God. This is a gift that just keeps giving. When I sin, the gift is there. When I sin, the gift is there. When I sin, the gift is there. And so as we pause today, as you hold this in your hands, I want you to, I want you to take a moment. I'm going to pray that you just take it at your leisure. Caleb's going to play for us. And I want you to meditate on this question. You want the answer? You know, the answer you know, I don't need the answer. This is between you and God. As we meditate on this, have I been holding back from God? What would my life look like if he held back from me to the same degree? God, thank you for your love and thank you for your grace. It doesn't make sense to us. We don't deserve it. That's the very thing of grace. We have your favor. God, I know money's a, a big deal in our world. Father, I, I pray that we can be as generous to you to the degree of our ability. That you were with us. Let generosity flow out of our lives 
into the kingdom because of the generous acts of Jesus on the cross. I pray these things in your son's name.